Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick, and this is David Smith. It is. He's the executive director of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Sir Dave, state lawmakers could be crafting legislation, I say crafting, (laughs) that would uh, make the recreational use of today's high-potency marijuana legal in Illinois. Yes, they are. Oh, the jobs that it will create, the tax revenue, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be utopia. Yeah. Well, our guest has a different opinion. She comes from the great state of Colorado, where they've had legal marijuana. They've had utopia. Yeah, for five-some years. She is Joe McGuire, a return guest to Illinois yes, Family Spotlight. Yes, welcome back, Joe. Hello, I'm we, so glad to be here. We went on a state tour last year yes, in April did. 2018, and uh, right. we tried to inform and educate and activate the citizens, and uh, we're so grateful for your work and what you're doing. Thank you. And we'll, we'll get you to give us a, an update on, sure. on what you're doing throughout the United States, mm-hmm. which is important. Mm-hmm. But... But Joe McGuire is chairman of the board of the National Drug and Alcohol Screening Association. She consults and trains professionals overseeing safety-sensitive employees and the compliance of federal guidelines for drug and alcohol screening programs. Yep. Her work has been published in trade journals, magazines, and reports detailing best practices for safe and drug-free workplaces. That's right. Well, we have safe and drug-free <laughs> workplaces in Illinois if high-potency marijuana is legalized here. That's a great question. The only sector that I would think that we could count on safe and drug-free would be under the U.S. Department of Transportation mandatory guidelines. For instance, airline pilots, over-the-road truck drivers, railroad engineers, um, they are still Uh, under mandatory drug testing laws federally, and marijuana is absolutely forbidden and zero tolerance as of this point. I have an idea. I have an idea. Can we add in any state and federal lawmakers to that list? (laughs) Would be great if we could. Can we test them regularly? (laughs) Well, as of today, we cannot. There have been I don't think some of these guys are (laughs) sober, to tell you the truth, (laughs) with what they're doing. You really have to wonder about the motivation there. Um, For me, it always comes back to to follow the money. Yeah. Uh, there are people who are looking to invest. They're looking for a get-rich-quick scheme. They're finding that this is you know, what they think is the genie in the bottle. Um, unfortunately, trying to put that genie back once it wreaks havoc is the challenge yeah. that we're facing. Well, it was your first trip out here that really opened my eyes to a lot of the things that are going on in Colorado. And it was your presentation that made me aware about dabs, waxes, vaping, and edibles. Well, I knew about edibles, but um, what is the other one called where they, it's like a dab, but um, anyway, this is high potency stuff that kids are using. Right. A little dab will do you. A little, oh my, see, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So can you tell, tell our audience about this? And, and how it's available to our kids and how parents may not be aware that their children are using it. Exactly. We tend to think that pot is uh, harmless. It's just a little pot. Um, that may have been somewhat the truth in the 60s and 70s, all things considered from today's viewpoint. Um, and now once we have 
um, brought about legalization in Colorado, we have these extreme high potencies. So let's say um, in the Woodstock days, the THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, Easy that causes the high. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's the psychoactive component. It was, you know, 1% to 3%. Uh, when we legalized in 2012, it was 12 to 15 percent. Now in raw marijuana, we're seeing it around um, 25 to 30 percent. Whoa! But that's nothing. That's the norm. That's you're the saying. norm Ugh. in Colorado. Um, n- that's nothing compared to the extracts and the chemical enhancements. And that's where you're talking about the dabs, right? And the concentrates. So they've learned how to um, extract the THC um, with butane or propane and um, get these different products that are referred to commonly as concentrates. So if you want to try to put a real layman's understanding to this, it's the difference between someone using cocaine and freebasing it to crack. Okay. Okay, that's a really good across the board. So you have some pot and then you freebase it into these concentrates, super high potencies. We're talking 60, 70, 80, 90, 99% THC, which we've never seen before. So when you have people who are watching in the news, you know, this kid gets on an airplane in Seattle after partaking in some pot. Um, He's from another part of the country where marijuana isn't legal. Once they get into the air, he goes into the bathroom, he tears it up, he attacks people, has a full psychotic meltdown. They have to divert the plane, land in San Francisco. And this has happened. This has happened. Um, You know, in a 250-panel toxicology screen, the only thing in his system was THC. So the believers, you know, in pot said, oh, he had to be on something else. Pot doesn't do this. Well, pot, pot at, alone at, doesn't do at it. 90% THC, right, that concentrates and the edibles, and that's what we're getting. So it's a whole new day. And um, from my point of view, when you ask about the drug-free workplace, employers need to understand yeah. this is what they're dealing with. They're used to looking for someone coming in reeking of marijuana or stumbling around looking for the red eyes, whatever. That's not how this is going down. Um, so they can dab in the morning. They can put it in a vape, you know, like the, the vaporizer like you do with the e-cigarettes, uh, drop it in there. They build up a tolerance. And I understand there's no smell. No that. smell. Right. So it's not like a cigarette. Exactly. Or exactly. Okay. So then we have this challenge where we don't have an impairment test. And so employers are really having to keenly observe their workforce to say, is something not quite right here? Watch the eyes, watch the behaviors, etc. cetera. Uh, but increased accidents and injuries. Or when they crash the forklift. Or, right, exactly. Yeah. Increased accidents, yes. Higher workers' compensation claim. This is where it's going to leak out the backside. Lack of productivity, inability to hire a qualified workforce. We just had an article this week in the Denver Post saying that for the upcoming construction season, the industry associated general contractors are saying, we have a serious shortage of construction workers in our state. We're, we're fearing that we cannot complete these jobs. And you can't find people because who are qualified. Because we can't find people who are qualified. Passing the drug test. That's right. Unbelievable. And of course, unemployment is at the lowest level level. So ever well, and we're recording this on January 4th, Friday, January 4th. So people know when I'm not sure when this is going to broadcast, but um, with the tight job market, and, and not being able to find qualified workers, that, that's going to hurt. Correct. It hurts the economy. It hurts our productivity. It makes us reliant on not only other forms of commerce, um, but other states. So we have people who have federal contracts, and they have to get employ- employees from outside of the state of Colorado. 
and bring them pay to bring them to us to accomplish these tasks. I think I heard somewhere um, from an expert, an opponent of legal marijuana, that in Colorado there are areas where uh, school districts can't find enough bus drivers uh, because of marijuana. You know, it's interesting that we mentioned U.S. Department of Transportation testing guidelines because school bus drivers fall under that mandatory drug testing. So what does that tell you? They have taken jobs where they know there's zero tolerance and this is forbidden for them, and yet we cannot get the the qualified workers um, to drive those school buses. You're exactly right. So what will the workforce look like in Illinois? in the broader Chicago area in particular, when you can't find the qualified workers, how are you going to transport these children to school? Are they safe? Uh, I mean, you know, this is much, much broader, uh, a a broader array of implications than we're thinking about when we say, well, we want the millions and millions of dollars in tax revenue to solve all of Illinois' budget crisis. Think about the fact that Colorado has gone into extended session because of our budget shortages every quarter of 2017 Wait a and 2018. But wasn't marijuana supposed to solve all that? Oh, it was. It, it was, was the cash cow, right? Right. Not. Right. Not because we're not adding up the costs and expenses. So we're pouring money into one side, it's filtering out the other, and then we're still wondering why we don't have enough dollars. Let me ask you. So we're, we're thinking about blue-collar jobs, right, and folks not being qualified to do the job. But does marijuana use also affect white-collar jobs? Absolutely. It do, it's across all sectors. This isn't just um, pigeonholed, if you will, into sure. construction or In the what have you, right? The trades. Um, white collar, absolutely. I, I'm hearing frequently of um, all types of executive professionals who use, including physicians, school teachers. No, um, not physicians. Oh, absolutely. I would even. That scares me. <laughs> yes. I would bargain to say, even policymakers. I don't know if that's a surprise to anyone or not. Um, but, you know, the executive board rooms. I think everybody's rooms, kind of figured that yes, one out, yeah. Right. And of course, you know, the arts, There's um, th- that's kind of a given. Tech, the tech industry mm-hmm. is really struggling here. Um, because Why is you, that? Well, you, tech tends to use a lot of independent contractors. Okay. They also tend to be very lax on the drug and alcohol policies. Um, they haven't always seen a need. And the reason for that is how are you going to have a lot of accidents and injuries when you're typing at a computer, yeah, right? Yeah. So they haven't really necessarily gone into um, that whole issue. Some of the larger companies have, but by and large, no. So there's also somewhat of a favorable favorable stance toward uh, legalization in the tech industry as a whole. Sure, sure. Except for aerospace. You can kind of take aerospace out of that picture. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we are definitely seeing that across the board. Well, I kind of figured that, you know, when I asked you about the white-collar careers, um, obviously our lawmakers, there's some of them are are dopes, and then there are some who are using dopes. Anyway, (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) I agree. Um, but, but, you know, I'm thinking of also the banking industry. I mean, uh, how much money is going to be lost in, in the financial industry, too, or the marketplace and mm-hmm. all this uh, when you have people on the floor of the stock market uh, who might break out onto a psychotic event? I right. mean, am I, am I crazy for even posing that kind of a question? No, I think we have to look at every scenario and, and prepare 
for every type of scenario. Um, I, I think it's it's um, akin in my mind to workplace violence. Mm-hmm. We're looking at sure. outbreaks of workplace violence and how we handle those situations. And in Colorado, we have seen cases where people have had these psychotic events in the workplace. So it, it's a broad spectrum of concerns that we need to educate ourselves about and be aware of. Mm. All right. This is Illinois Family Spotlight. We'll continue our conversation with Joe McGuire conversation about marijuana and uh, what could be coming to Illinois after this. Trans ideology is in our schools, government, churches, even our homes. We need to start taking some action in stopping this total madness. Join the Illinois Family Institute for our Trans Ideology Worldview Conference Saturday, March 16th at Stone Church in Orland Park with Dr. Michelle Cretella, authors Denise Schick and Douglas Wilson, and Walt Heyer, a former transgender with encouragement for others. Let me help you realize who you are. The Illinois Family Institute Worldview Conference, biblical training for today's culture, 10 a.m. Saturday, March 16th at Stone Church in Orland Park. $20 per person, $50 per family. To attend, call 708-781-9328, 708-781-9328, or visit IllinoisFamily.org. This is Lon Chen of the Hoover Institution for townhall.com. Liberal California Senator Kamala Harris made a splash last week when she launched her campaign for president. The signature idea she plans to run on, a single-payer, government-run health care system called Medicare for All. It all sounds great until you realize what it means for your health care and mine. Put simply, if you like your health care plan, say goodbye to it. In her own words, she said of private health insurance, let's eliminate all of that. Let's move on. So let's be clear about what she means. Medicare for All would take away the health care that 150 million American workers rely on and replace it with a liberal pipe dream that will result in the rationing of care, higher taxes, and lower quality. Our health care system is still too expensive and inaccessible for far too many Americans. But completely replacing it with a socialist-style health reform isn't the right answer. I'm Lon He Chen. Thanks again for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here along with uh, David Smith, David E. Smith. <laughs> and our guest is Joe McGuire. She's the chairman of the board of the National Drug and Alcohol Screening Association. We're talking about marijuana. Joe is a resident of Colorado, state that legalized marijuana some five years ago. And she is warning Illinois to steer clear of legalization of marijuana, high-potency marijuana, right here in the land of Lincoln. Joe, if Illinois um, decides to, if our state lawmakers decide to approve legal high-potency marijuana, they might come at it from this uh, direction. Let's do this as on a test basis. They did this with uh, medical marijuana. Right. It's supposed to sunset in a few years. Right. Mm-hmm. If we go that route, will we be able to get out of it, or will that just create a civil war out there? Right. It, it's Is it reversible? Uh, we have said in Colorado all along, if you open this can of worms, you can't get them all back. And we truly are seeing that. We, we did a uh, statewide survey 
in 2016. And what we found was 92% of Colorado residents said if they had known about the high potency marijuana, they would not have voted for it. Mm. And if there was one thing that they could change, it would be to put a limit, cap on it. Yes, cap or limit those potencies. Um, however, in efforts to try to then use the will of the people to go and limit those potencies at the legislative level, um, no success. The industry volunteered to limit to 90%, 90%, which is <laughs> just ridiculous. Um, just think about that in in Amsterdam, um, marijuana over 15% is not legal. Anything over 15% is not legal in Amsterdam. So they limited the THC. Now, that's liberal Amsterdam. That's correct. Liberal Amsterdam says anything over 15 is too much. That's right. So the other thing that they have done, as has Portugal, because you'll always hear um, it's such a success in Portugal. Well, I had an opportunity to visit with some um, individuals from, from Portugal this past September at an international conference, and they said the thing that we're doing differently is we cut off the supply. We decriminalized, um, but you can't grow, you can't distribute, you can't manufacture, you can't, um, you know, bring it in or take it out. So here we are um, in the state of Colorado. We are encouraging, supplementing, and Exporting. helping to right. yes to make the production successful. Right. And that's what we want to do here in Illinois. Absolutely. So we, I heard one state's attorney from mm-hmm. McHenry County say, uh, well, the cartels are here distributing it. You're going to get them now involved in the production of it. Exactly. We have seen more cartels move into Colorado um, to get a foothold and to control the manufacture, the grow, the distribution and exportation. Um, so what has happened is our black market has grown exponentially because the cartels are coming in and controlling. So the myth that the black market will disappear or diminish greatly because of legalization Absolute falsehood. It's okay. Absolute falsehood. And one of the reasons for that is if, if theoretically and, um, you know, kind of according to the, um, the whole libertarian point of view, you mm-hmm. legalize the drug, you can actually, and at the end of the day, get rid of it. Um, if you were to truly regulate and control and tax a substance and that's, you know, that was your end goal, you would not simultaneously allow everyone to grow it in their home yeah, freely, hello. right? You can't regulate that. You can't tax that. You can't control that. And that's so, what happened in Colorado, yes, so right? so it is a complete ruse. You can grow up to five plants in your home? Um, I, you can have – it has been you can have six per adult. I think they're trying to um, limit that a little lower per adult, but it's still per adult. And so I again, think Illinois has, how do you control it? The, the proposal has been for five in Illinois. Five yeah. per adult or per household? Per household. Per household. Maybe it's adult. I, you know, that's a good point. So with Mom, those Dad, limits, and, you know, right? With those limits in place, we the average home grow that that marijuana enforcement division comes in for violation has pro- approximately a hundred plants. Wow. Right. So wow. they're they're just how do you control that? How do you? Well, you related know? to the black market, I wanted to ask you because I, I have a friend um, who works in Springfield who uh, lives on the west side of Chicago. He's a black gentleman. 
And I asked him, I said, hey, do you think we could pull any of the black caucus members off of this bill? Do you think we could persuade any of them to say, no, I'm not going to support marijuana legalization? And he said to me, no, because of the black arrests, minority arrests for marijuana. And I said, but that's not the fact. You know, there's here's the truth. And he says, but Dave, 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 you don't understand. It's the perception. You have to beat the perception Right. So it's not the reality. You have to beat the reality. So the the marijuana industry is out there. This is one of their talking points, right? Marijuana arrests for minorities with legalization will go down. Is that true or false? It is actually increased in the state of Colorado since legalization. Yes. Arrest, particularly of um, young minorities, has skyrocketed. Can you explain why? Just so so people have an understanding. Why? If it's legal, why are they getting arrested? Well, there's still a number of violations that can occur. So um, whether it's trafficking, out-of-state exporting, whether Mm -hmm. it's illegal growing without the proper licensure, which, let's face it, I mean, the people that have the money to get the licensure are the exception. Sure. Um, You know, whether it's public use. Um, which public use really isn't necessarily controlled because how do you run around and hand out $25 tickets to 100 people in a park? Um, So that's sort of out of control. But for a variety of reasons, and then you also have to ask yourself, is there still a focus on um, singling out or profiling the minorities? That's the big question that is being explored right now. Is that still a factor or is it simply, you know, the nature of the violation? So we really don't know the answer to that question. But in short, what you're saying is the the black market is is still thriving. That's right. It has not solved that issue in six years. Six years. So we... we, Going up, not down. uh, Going up, not down. And then the the marijuana industry will say, well, you have to give it time. Well, how much time? (laughs) How much time? And and so for people in the state of Illinois, um, what I would say to you is, why don't you let Colorado figure out all of the problems before you even consider going down the same path we have and making it worse before you make it better let us we we already went in to be the guinea pig which i'm not happy about but that's where we are so let the guinea pig go through all the trial tests and then come back and say well you know what are we really dealing with as you said at the outset it's not going to be easy to close this pandora's box no if if, maybe even impossible i say if possible at all um it will take something extraordinary um, because those who are really beholden to this issue are almost like religious zealots. It is something, well, there's a lot of money at stake for them. Um, but cannabis is, is a type of substance where people believe in this thing almost like a religious icon. And so, so it's not it, easy to combat. Is it the money? Is it the addiction? I mean, because religion, you know, I think it's a set of beliefs. But is it addiction zealots? Is it money zealots? Is it What is it? You know, Marijuana... As I've said many times, marijuana is a frame of mind. Mm. I think there's addiction in there. I think there's money in there. But I also think there's this mindset that it's some kind of um, golden calf. It's it's like mm. an end-all, be-all. And I know people who don't use but still feel that cannabis is the answer for everything. Uh, with no scientific evidence, with no proof, with nothing to back it up, it's just this ideology and how do you combat an ideology. Yeah. So you have been out speaking out about this all over the place. You have plans 
for your organization, and I want people to hear what you're doing and what you're trying to do mm-hmm. nationwide uh, to battle big marijuana. Oh, and by the way, can you give us a real quick disclaimer? Are you paid by Big Pharma? Absolutely not. Um, in no way, shape, or form do I <laughs> receive or have I ever received. Big Pharma doesn't know I exist, um, and I'm, I'm sure they don't care. Um, <laughs> but um, so what I have seen is that employers in states where legalization has come about are really under the gun to change their workplace drug and alcohol policies. Employees are suing when they're fired for um, failing a drug test. And mind you, a lot because of times... Because it's a right in Colorado. Because it's a right. It, yes, it's considered a constitutional right. Oh my because goodness. we changed our constitution. And there are, um, there are big funded groups out there that are looking for these lawsuits. They want to, to um, fund them. They want to get these wins. They want to see the laws changed through the court system. So it's not just an average everyday lawsuit. It's someone who, you know, gets found by uh, folks who are supporting this notion. Regardless, um, employers feel under the gun. They feel pressured. And there is movement by normal national organization to reform marijuana laws, marijuana policy project, and um, the Drug Policy Alliance to change workplace drug testing laws because, in their words, suspicionless testing for marijuana use is not fair. Now, those three groups you just named, Mm -hmm. am I okay saying those are George Soros-funded organizations? Okay. We all know who George Soros is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good guy. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yes. Just kidding. Not not so good guy. (laughs) Yes. Um, I would call him an enemy of the U.S., but I use strong words, and that's my opinion. And I I would agree with you. Absolutely. (laughs) He is trying to legalize marijuana and all drugs, if I understand him correctly. Yes, absolutely. Normalization of all drugs. Yes. Well, let me Um, ask you, now that they have legal marijuana... What's next? What's next in What's next? Um, There have been movements to legalize psilocybin or magic mushrooms, uh, which are psychedelic. (laughs) There is also a movement in Denver um, that's just getting geared up to allow for legal heroin injection rooms um, under the pretext that heroin is a self-medication um, and should be it should be it's a, all medication should be right? physician assisted. Uh, legal injection rooms. Oh my gosh. So as as you mentioned, the goal legalize all drugs is much closer than we think. Marijuana is just the gate getting opened. It's a different kind of gateway, yeah, right. if you will. Um, but one of my passions is that small business owners are just absolutely under attack. Yes. They can't keep good employees. They don't know what to do. They feel very threatened and pressured. So the National Drug and Alcohol Screening Association, who a lot of our members write these drug and alcohol policies for employers. We do, we, you know, perform their drug tests for them. Um, we have the relationships with the labs, the toxicologists, the medical review officers. Um, we actually help DOT enforce safety policies, great, great. right? So we see no advocation for employers' rights to safe and drug-free workplaces. Wait a minute, employers' rights have employers rights? Employers' rights. Do they have rights? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. To, you have a small business owner who um, put their heart and soul yeah, absolutely. into starting this particular th- company. Time, talents, and treasure right. into this corporate Right, know, this yeah, passion business. of theirs yep. that they do really well. Yep. And then you can have one stoned employee bring your, you to your knees mm. because of a fatality yeah. or a life-altering injury that costs you and bam, you're 
you're out of business. Yeah. So that person has the right to safe and drug-free workplace under federal protection. But see, safe and drug-free workplace is also under attack, and nobody is there defending it. So we have made it our mission to defend safe and drug-free workplace and to get the attention of our legislators in Washington, D.C. to say, this is a federal act, and it's here for a reason. And actually, Safe and Drug-Free Workplace Act was put into place to protect an employee from their fellow coworker who chooses to use drugs. So it is actually not just an employer right, it is an employer responsibility yep, yep. to protect the vulnerable. So we are engaging in that advocacy um, as well as education and training and accreditation and standards for the drug testing industry. Um, but our heart and soul is to make sure that every employer knows mm -hmm. um, that you have the right to protect your workplace. So there's maybe small business owners, large business owners listening to this podcast. How do they learn more about what you're trying to do? Go to indasa.com and that's N-D-A-S-A.com. N-A-D-S-A? Yes, N is in Nancy, uh -huh. D is in dog, A is in apple, S is in Sam, A is in apple, indasa.com. Good. And, we'll put it in uh, the show notes. We have lots of um, information there for you. They can also contact myself uh, Joe McGuire at Indesa.com. And that's spelled J-O-M-C-G-U-I-R-E yes. at Indesa.com. So we would love to advocate on your behalf. We would love to help you, um, you know, in whatever way you need help, particularly if it's a policy need. Um, we're also, um, we just launched this year in year two, we will be establishing state affiliates. And our goal for state affiliates is bring your state issues to our attention so that we can get some state advocacy going as sure. well. Do you have an affiliate in Illinois? We do not yet have an affiliate Dave. in Illinois. There you go. Well, I <laughs> don't think right. I can do it. I'm not qualified. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's just, uh, it's been fabulous to see um, how this is moving forward. We're uh, closing in on our first 300 members in just a few months time. Excellent. We're having our first annual conference in San Antonio in March. Um, it's almost sold out already, wow. which is so exciting. And, and I'm jealous because you have a great keynote speaker coming. Oh, our keynote speaker is Secretary William Bennett. Is it Dr. Um, Bennett, isn't yes, it? Yes, Dr. Bill Dr. Bennett, Bill the first Bennett. drug czar. The first drug czar and uh, author, prolific author. Yes, he's um, got a great voice, too. He and does have a great voice. he's got a good podcast, voice. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he is passionate about what our organization is doing and wants to come in and um, well, you know, work you, with us. You've got a benefit of him, too, because he was also a Department of Education Correct. guy. What was yes. it? Czar? I don't know if that's the right title. Secretary there. of Education. Secretary of Education. Yes. Thank you. Yes. So, I mean, the two combined. You right. Know? <laughs> right. So. Fantastic. I mean, we and then we also have... Um, the first uh, Secretary of, of Drug Interdiction under Nixon, uh, Mr. Bob DuPont, Dr. Oh, Bob yeah? DuPont. Yeah, sure. I think he's um, a Chicagoan, isn't he? Uh, well, we have Peter Bensinger from Chicago. Okay, there, um, another who, drug czar yes, under who, uh, Jimmy Carter. Yes, and uh, they also work together um, with uh, forming employee assistance programs in the U.S., and they are more on the treatment side, yep. so treatment and prevention. So we're going to cover both aspects of that. Right. I just got to tell you, I'm so excited. I'm sure you can't tell. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited. But if you are a small or large business owner um, or a part of this industry in any fashion, I know um, one of our 
team players in this state is the Illinois Department of Transportation. And I just want to throw that out there is IDOT has been are they concerned? fantastic. They are concerned. Good. And um, they have been a, had a valuable role in uh, drug and alcohol testing for the purpose of safety. Good. So throwing that out there and my, my peeps and I yeah, um, we're excited about uh, their commitment to safety. But if you can't make it to San Antonio, uh, you can go on the website. Yes. And you can get some information that get can some information. help your business. That's Maybe right. you'll put some videos up and all that stuff. Oh, we have a great video. We have a few great videos up. We have a lot of pictures. We have a lot of information. We have a resource on the website about um, uh, frequently asked questions about marijuana in the workplace for employers. Um, it's a fabulous piece oh, that good. I wrote, and they will really uh, appreciate that. Good, 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 good. All right, well, we're out of time, Monty. Yes, we are. But I need to remind you about our... Christian Life in Exile Forum with the Reverend Dr. Erwin Lutzer coming up February 22nd in Medina, Illinois. Right. Jubilee Baptist Church, formerly known as Medina Baptist Church. Now it's Jubilee Church. And uh, they they merged their congregations over there. And uh, it's a wonderful building to have this event. But people need to know that as we drift away from God, uh, as a culture, we're we're going to experience more hostility if we want to live our faith out in the, in the public square. How do we do that? Dr. Erwin Lutzer has written a book called The Church in Babylon, and he will tell us how to go through this, and then you can get his resources. So please join us. All right. If you're interested, give, give us, us a, a call, call at 708-781-9328. Also go to uh, IllinoisFamily.org, click events. All the info is right there. Do one other thing. Tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.